0: Hi, Pompoo fans, and welcome to your forecast episode 132. Well, there's no games on, but we're still here to bring some Christmas magic into your lives. Joining us for the cast Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy?
2: Good evening, Bunce. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, my man. How are you doing? Are you well?
0: I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well, buddy, to be honest. Freddie Webb. Well, how are you? Take over, buddy. <laughs>
1: I'm not so bad, mate. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm off on my Christmas holidays back in York for a bit. It's the weather's noticeably colder, and yeah, I'm trying to feel as Christmassy as I can, even though there's no football to enjoy, unfortunately. Christmassy. Um, what I do like is I.
0: It's, I feel a little bit homely because Freddie's basically in the backdrop now back in his old his old place and i can see his his library at the back over there his extensive star wars figurines collection uh just to let people know there's a notice board over there it looks like there's some birds is that the rs no no, or no they are all, or? All this a, random, a random
1: random simpsons poster uh, um just a bookcase with god What's, knows what books that in it they haven't big sorted big out thing. in years
2: Fred, there's a massive stack of what
1: looks like interracial porn
2: just over your right shoulder.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's exactly what it is, mate. Don't worry. Uh, no, it's not. It's board games. <gasps> but, Freddy's very inclusive. This pornography, Andy. You should know that by now.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have so many replies to that.
1: It, it, but... it is 2021, after all. We have, we have to We've, keep that in mind, no dude. Doubt. With the amount of news that's actually going on, we're, we're going to be this part's going to be railroaded every we, 30 seconds,
2: and then. A solid ten minutes talking about your preferences in that respect, Fred. If you were
0: keen, he's shaking his head. I don't think. I don't shaking think he's, he's that. Kane. I don't think he's that keen. I am <laughs> I'm just going to try and talk about some of the basic structure we've got. So, first of all, we're going to talk about all the stuff that's going on in the news. Second of all, we've got our half season review. That's right, quick fire round the table. It's not based on any stats or evidence. It's just what's from the heart. Who's performing well and who do we think is going to improve or progress as the season goes on. And finally, we're gonna do we're gonna talk about whatever comes to mind. I'm sat here drinking a rather shocking can. And people, if you don't like rubbish mixers, Captain Morgan's and cola, which some people left around my house, is is rubbish. So I'm just gonna start off by letting people know that.
1: Why is it <laughs> but, bad? Is it because it's like pre-mixed and shit, or because usually yeah, it's not that bad? It
0: just tastes watery, mate, to me. It doesn't taste strong enough, if I'm honest. That's that's my thing, but
2: it's almost as if that those pre-mixed cans are pretty much watered down to 0% alcohol, so you have to buy loads of them. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I was looking at the side of the can right now. It's, I don't believe
2: uh, that they're that
0: alcohol. 5%, 5% it says,
1: so believe 5. that 5%. I don't believe that. I thought for a minute Andy was quoting the actual percentage of the can, and I thought, oh, "Hang on, how does he know?" Yeah,
2: I'm, <laughs> I am that much of an alcoholic, high functioning alcoholic, that I know the percentages of all my favourite drinks without even looking at the can. That would I promise that's believable. When I say that, it's not obvious that I'm joking, which is a sad reflection of how 2021's done.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, enough about this shit can of Captain Morgan's. Um, let's let's start off with the latest news that's going on at, around the club at this moment in time. Obviously, the games are cancelled. A little bit of admin here. Matches postponed against AFC Wimbledon, Exeter, and massive sad face against Oxford at home on Boxing Day. Going to miss you, boys, to be honest. Not going to see you over Christmas now. Had planned to be going to the Boxing Day game. Unfortunately, that's not happening, and Plymouth looks pretty unlikely, to be honest. It's not being called off now, but. I think it's going to get called off as well, boys. How are we feeling generally about this? Matches postponed, and you know, I know it's a neat, it's a difficult topic to touch on, really, isn't it? But let's start off, Andy. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think realistically, in our list the base, we're going to have people from complete both ends of the spectrum in terms of how they view the situation. So, I think whatever we say, people are going to disagree with us. So, I'm just going to call it as I see it, essentially, and people can disagree as they as they wish. For me. At the current stage we're at, I think it is necessary as a temporary measure. I think it's the right decision for the Boxing Day game. Uh, I'm going I'm to quote some stats from uh, Philippe Eau Claire on the Guardian Football Weekly. He was talking about the, the percentage of players in different countries who have been double-jabbed against COVID. In France, in, in uh, Ligue Liga, 95% are double vaccinated. In the Bundesliga, 94%. In La Liga, 92.8%. In Syria, in Italy, 98%. You come across to England, Premier League, 68% are double vaccinated. EFL, 59% double vaccinated. So you can immediately see that the views on vaccination in the UK are completely different. And there is a lot less trust there than there is in other European countries. And a large reason for that is going to be because of how trustworthy the figures are telling everyone to get vaccinated. And if you had potentially Angela uh, Merkel telling me to get vaccinated, although she's not in charge anymore in Germany, is she? But if she was telling me to get vaccinated, I'd be more likely to do it than if Boris was, if I didn't really have any knowledge on the subject. So I think there's a lack of trust there. But at the same time, these are players in the EFL who fans idolise. And for the fan base who haven't got a scientific underpinning, like in their education, they work outside of science or for fans who sort of just trust what is put in front of them, people they look up to as their role models, AKA footballers, they trust on other subjects as well. And if there's distrust in the footballing community, that is going to trickle down into the fan base the way that that needs to be addressed is this extra education in the footballing community as far as I'm concerned. I've got a decently scientific background in myself um, and I used to live with someone who was creating one of the vaccines and got a lot of background on the on sort of the early stages of the process in terms of how they were being put together and it's, it's very difficult to see so much misinformation being spread by people on social media. I mean, the ones that jump to mind, people like Matt Letizia, for example, I've got him blocked on Twitter now because it's, it's dangerous what he is propagating into a large audience. And it, but even other footballers, you've got, I think it was, uh, is it Dan Lloyd, Danny Lloyd, I think, or uh, from Jills, from who we played against the other week. Again, not entirely sold on it. Even Danny Rose has been, you know, ex-Pompey Danny Rose has been on Twitter sort of quote tweeting people who are very very anti-vax and that sort of message trickles down into the fan base and you know this isn't a vaccine podcast so I don't want to go down to the scientific route too much but at the end of the day these vaccines are the far far superior option and people are acting as if this new variant is completely fictional or you know it's just another way of getting us to lock down etc it's completely natural for a virus to mutate into a less deadly but more transmissible version of itself. Because if a virus kills everything it infects, then the virus dies out, right? It wants its host to survive. It doesn't want to kill its host. It wants wants to spread. So this is completely normal. It's not, you know, being made up. The issue is that it is now so transparently clear that so much of this is taking place not based on scientific evidence. It's uh, It's taking place because of government people wanting to get attention away from all of their Christmas parties in lockdowns and all of that stuff, the motive behind it is obvious. So that's why I think so many people are distinctly unimpressed um, as to why, you know, these these games are being cancelled. But at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. And the, the best way out of this is for the virus to continue to mutate to potentially more transmissible but less deadly versions of itself. More people get educated to get the vaccine, so the spread of the more transmissible versions decreases, and that's that's how we're going to get back to normal. So I find it frustrating. I mean, 59% is an insane number of EFL players being double jabbed. That is so low, and they should be playing putting more. More the EFL should be putting more money into education on this because they are role models. Um, so yeah, long story cut down. I think it's right to be phoning them at the moment. But I don't think it's going to be a situation like it was last year where it's a long-term thing. Um, it could just be a circuit breaker while these boosters kick in and we try and get the the percentage of EFL players who have been double jabbed increased.
0: Well, that was pretty well summed up from our resident science doctor over there, Annie Mitchmore. I'm gonna go along the on no, it was it was well done, mate. You know, you know, there's nothing I could have articulated on that topic. You know, if anyone wants to know about philosophy or anything more dry then uh, hit me up but yeah no if anyone's any questions speak to andy on twitter at him dm him whatever um yeah so i think my my case is really just this and he's shaking his head <laughs> do you, yeah you, you do you want to respond to everyone's messages on twitter come on mate yeah all right we'll move on <laughs> okay Whilst I I completely understand what Andy says and agree, I'm just really annoyed that I can't go out on Boxing Day to the football. So that's a little bit of my... I do understand why it's all taking place, but from the emotional side of my heart, I am just annoyed I can't meet up and have a load of beers and go out to the football. And I think it's been handled really badly. And that's why I think that the anger's out there, as you touched on. So I know Danny Cowley also, as well as Andy Mitchmore. I mean, obviously, he's he's the prime person we care about on the topic. Let's be honest, people listening to this podcast... But if you want another view, I know Danny Cowley had some comments as well on it. Freddie, do you want to to go for that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I found this basically from Andrew Moon's Twitter, where he said that Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley have both, you you know, they're not forcing uh, the players of Pompey to get a vaccine, but they have persuaded uh, a few of them uh, who were initially sceptical about the vaccine to uh, get their first jab. um, And Pompey are roughly, they're slightly above the average of 59% and that's great to hear at least because surely it's always a difficult situation. Players will have their own opinions but it helps to get um, a voice and opinion from someone they trust in Danny Cowley who might speak their mindset and say, look, if you're, if you're not double jabbed and cases keep going and games get postponed then you're, then the club's not secure. Your job isn't secure. If you're more more vulnerable to catching COVID, then your place in the team might get dropped while you're away recovering. Then someone else takes their spot, and it can keep going from there. So, yeah, I am glad that Danny and Nikki have both, by the sounds of it, chatted to individual players about it, um, because I generally think all the players should should get the vaccine. It would be, it would be that would be preferable, from my opinion. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, I'm on the same boat as you, you. I understand why these games are being postponed or maybe put behind closed doors, but it is very depressing to hear about it still.
0: Obviously, next week, we're going to talk about the various different options of Pompey in the transfer window. So it was quite interesting to see Andy Cullen admitting the financial plan of the Boxing Day games being postponed. And it was just asked, will they just take another long-term approach to signings and investments? I think it's quite clear for us that maybe Pompey aren't going to be spending huge amounts of money in, in the in the January transfer. And I, personally, we said this before, I think it's about wise investment in January, not, not squad overhaul, but adding key pieces where it's needed to take the team to the next level. Um, Andy Cullen's response to that though was, you put your budgets together for the year and we would have based it on a decent figure coming in on Boxing Day. So it carries some pain from losing the game also reallocation of season tickets holders and refunding others etc does anyone know actually quickly before i take on the main topic whether we're going to get a refund potentially (laughs) if if the games i suppose only if they weren't played isn't it that's a real stupid question because they'll just reschedule it so ignore that completely but what do you think about andy cullen's ideas talking about budget andy do you think we're actually going to Get to a stage that they try and use this potentially as a had a few games cancelled now we can't spend any money in January situation.
2: Well, I mean, well, it's certainly true that if this game, well, this game has been postponed, if, or even if it's played behind closed doors. We, we spoke to Mark Catlin last year about how much money the club loses from you know even one game played behind closed doors. What I don't entirely buy into as much is that the Boxing Day game has a huge impact on what you can spend in the next month. I I fail to believe that AD Football Club, particularly ours, which I do think is fairly well run from a business side now, for whatever else you want to say about business, I think it's run well as a business. I fail to believe that the club are relying on the money coming in on the 26th of December as funding for January. It's not like a payday thing where, you know, you get paid on the last day of the month, so you've got money for the first day of the next month. That is not how Football Club clubs work where they're dependent on the money coming in five days we're not five days away from you know folding like we were at one point 12 10 years ago whatever it was however it's the uncertainty of the income for January February that might more be having an impact on on their financial planning i i don't think it can be at, like it can be attributed just to this one boxing day game being postponed uh, but you know, I'm, this is all pure speculation from me. I haven't seen the books. I'm not behind the scenes, but you would you'd certainly hope that, yeah, a game being cancelled on the 26th of December wouldn't mean that there isn't any money for January, because we shouldn't be relying on that one that one payday once a week for for that sort of money. I don't think
1: it was something that I read between the lines when looking at looking at topics to bring up for today. It was from Neil Allen's column in the news where he was talking to CEO Andrew C- Andrew Cullen about how much of a hit losing that big Boxing Day game was because it was a sellout and then from January the 8th it's worth noting that the capacity at the stadium will reduce by 1300 while they do work on the North Stand Lower and then there are will be potential refunds for some people who have already booked tickets because uh, they'll have to move season ticket holders I'm not 100% sure on that last point but that's outlined well in Neil Lyon's article if you want to give that a read But yeah, it it does make you think that the investment in January will not 100% be what supporters are looking for. I think a lot of supporters have got a clear idea of what they want in their head. Uh, Another centre-half, first-choice centre-half, first-choice striker, and maybe it's a third thing, extend Marcus Harness's contracts fully. Mm. Those Those are the three things which many people regard as a must, but we're hearing from other stories which are muting some potential spending in the window so that was like a, a little tidbit from Andrew Cullen's uh, interview with Neil Ireland that I brought out because it makes you think how much are they actually going to invest in January
0: yeah and let's be honest for all the sort of waffle the hot air or whatever the club wants to come out in and talk about this that whatever they need to go out and get a new centre back and a new striker to provide in rotation okay My opinion on this is is pretty strong. However, they want to work it. However, they want to do the budget. You know, they're spending money on the stadium. You know, cramming more people in on the bottom of the stand. I'm not asking for major investment. In we're not asking to spend millions here, but I am asking for us to be competitive enough to be able to get players in to make sure that Danny Cowley actually has a reasonable chance of contending for a playoff spot. And this squad is too wafer thin without the addition of at least one new centre back. And without a new striker, so the club needs to sort out. However, they're going to work that. How are they going to finance it? We're not. We're not asking the club to go out and spend millions and be silly and and you know mortgage the club's future. They've just stuck whatever five million pounds worth of equity into the club, but they do need to really work out how they're going to balance it and how they're going to go out and get new players.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it is. Obviously, it's investment needed, but sensible investment. But I, the, the figures we're hearing thrown around aren't humongous sums of money. When you compare, how much did we pay for Marcus? Was it one and a half million? Have I made that up? One was
1: and a half. One? It was about one and a half. Um, yeah. Because that was after the sales of Lowe and Clark. It was Marcus for one and a half, and then Harness for around six hundred and fifty to three quarters of a million off the top of the head.
0: Eight hundred k, Marcus Harness
2: it okay and yet we're being we're being told that Pompey potentially reluctant to spend 150k on Will Boyle who has the potential from what i've heard to to slip in quite nicely and i, I speaking to a a Cheltenham town fan who said that he thinks he's going to end up mid to lower end championship in a couple of years time based on career progress and how he looks week by week so i just find it a bit odd there's a bit of an inconsistency there and yes there's the covid factor but I don't think things are as unpredictable as they were 24 months ago or 18 months ago, even. It, it doesn't quite add up to me personally. But as I said, we haven't seen the books. Um, apparently, uh, Will Wolf, again, from what I've heard, is he's wanting 4K a week, which again might be the sticking point because we said no to, uh, was it Stockley wanted 5.5K a week?
1: About we, six, 5.5, six. 5.5,
2: six. And we pulled out of that one. So, um, um, like, what two thirds of two-thirds of that
1: as a wage weekly that maybe is the sticking point. Yeah it, if you think about it it goes into the idea which some of us had but it's now been reported that Danny Cowley's transfer uh, transfer window for January will depend on who leaves. Um when looking around Jordan Cross reported that in an interview with Danny Cowley that the manager inferred that their transfer policy will be one in, one out. We we can speculate which players might go out or whatever. He also, it, The manager added that he ideally wants to bring in four players. That's ideal. And then two of them would be loans to supplement the squad and then leaving two as permanents. So he can guess that that's the centre half and the centre forward. Uh, directly quoting from him, he said that we know what we want and, we, and what we need, our main focus is on the game coming up and getting the most of the players at our disposal. But we know players will have to go out. But we know players will have to go out for us to bring players in. So that sort of confirms what we had in our heads already that some pla- some players will have to leave to be able to bring in new signings. Whether that's uh, sending a hadby back to Norwich or trying to offload, spitballing Paul Downing, Ed- Edis Harrison. Maybe Michael Jacobs, if Danny Cowley wants to um, put his higher wages elsewhere, even though he's a very good player. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, um, I've heard the stuff about Will Boyle as well, and it's not really what Pompey fans want to hear, to be honest.
0: No, it's not indeed. And Okay, this is what's frustrating me at the moment about this whole situation. Pompey have a lot of players out of contract in the summer, right? a lot of players and a lot of players who with respect probably will leave because they're not necessarily in the, in the, in the first team picture. Okay. That can be planned for ahead. Okay. That can be quite easily planned for ahead, And there's quite a lot of high earners within those people, supposedly in those players. So if you're looking at getting a player in, say a center back, let's just say we'll boil for now. And he wants four odd K a week or whatever it is. That can be planned and offset against players leaving in the summer. They're not they're not tied to be here now for years and years. This is not a... We don't have that historical contracts that are dinosauring us through, that Jacket signed. These players are leaving if they want them to in the summer. So for me, you do what any good business does in this situation. You go out and you recruit who you need to set the business up for the best situation they can be in, which is to finish as high as possible in the table, hopefully get a playoff space and then go and build on that for next season. Sign Marcus Harness to a contract. Yeah? Re-up our best player. We know some of the players are leaving. Make hard decisions on them. Tell them if they're going to go if you need to, but whatever. But bring in some new players and use the budget that is offset in the summer. Having to say players have to go for players to have to come in to whatever. If it's one or two players, you know other players are leaving. Bite the bullet for four
1: months. And sign the players. It, 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 when you hear one one player in, one player out, it's understandable from an objective perspective. But you have to think about the ambition of where Pompey want to go for this season, short term compared to long term. I think most people would think that with those two additions of a centre forward, a centre half, and a centre forward, if it, if they're if the right players come up and if they're going to impact on the first team, then Pompey are going to have stronger chances of getting to the playoffs than without them. So you've got like an opportunity cost for that thing there, haven't you? Um, it was John T. Colburn from Hampshire Live who mentioned that Will, Will, Will Boyle, um, basically, where Pompey were thinking about bidding for Will Boyle, but the transfer fee of six the six figure transfer fee was putting them off. And they were looking at, well, his contract expires in the summer we could potentially sign him for free. I, I still think the amount of money that you save from, let's say you want Real Boyle and he does sign it this summer, the amount of money you save from not doing the transfer fee is not worth potentially your squad being too weak to get in the playoffs this season. Because, well, where Real Boyle's a free agent, you'll have other clubs bidding for him for nothing, his wage will go up, you still have to give him a signing on fee, etc., and you'll be in a weaker position Generally, because well, a lot of players will be leaving, there'll be that perspective that the squad's a bit weaker. If Danny Cowley thinks that Will Ball's the right player, then they should he should go, he should be allowed to go for him. And we're also hearing that that six figure fee is on the lower end of that. So even if it's by the sounds of it, it's in the region of like which has been mentioned 150 to 200,000 pounds for, for a first choice centre half in our position, that's worth it, isn't it? Surely. It's not worth potentially taking a punt by leaving him, and leaving him until the summer and then signing him for nothing, surely.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. And as you say, when you get into summer and the player's out of contract, you have all that extra competition from other clubs swooping in, and your chances of actually being successful and signing the player are, are cut right down anyway. And I mean, the reviews of him from Cheltenham Town have been really good. I said I, I spoke to, uh, to Mark, who's a season ticket holder at Cheltenham Town. And so he's great in the air, both ends of the pitch. A real warrior, leader at the back, fairly mobile for a centre-half, left-footed. I mean, does this remind you of anyone that we let go a couple of years ago? Left-footed centre-half who, who's mobile, good in the air at both ends of the pitch, proper leader. Um, finds it very strange Pompey can't afford 150k to sign him now, to be honest, as we'd want more than double that if he had another year on his deal. Uh, he's a top half, top centre-half at this level that could step up to the lower end of the championship with a little bit more development. So um, it's so obviously a a place in our squad that needs strengthening or more depth at least. And it would just take a little bit of that pressure off Raggett to be a talisman in every single game and for Robertson to be a talisman in every single game when he's fit. You know, for me, it's a no brainer. Again, obviously there's probably things going on we don't know about exactly to do with the negotiation. But if you, you, know, you hold out for too long, you end up shooting yourself in the foot. And I, I would be concerned that that could happen here.
1: It's exactly the same if you don't re-up Marcus Harness's contract. Now, if you wait until the summer and a championship club comes in and goes, oh, we'll pay you championship wages, have a go, it's obvious that he would leave. Is obvious, whereas that interest now might not be around because championship clubs might not want to spend the money on Marcus Harness that Pompey may ask for. So, even though it's even though it's hard with a lot of uncertainty with the COVID and potential reduced capacity, some decisions you have to it, it, have to be made proactively. And I think tying down Marcus Harness to a contract extension and signing a centre half and the centre forward. Is the key one even if you do two out of those three things that's a fairly successful window if you do those things Le- leaving all of them is too much
2: i think just add on to that fred i believe the club have got the option for the one-year extension with harness so i don't think it's a case of another club will come in and say his championship wages come and have a go i do believe that pompey have to give that the green light um but then again that is according to a transfer market who no, say no. that Harness is worth ninety thousand pounds and Hurst is worth seven hundred and twenty thousand so,
1: uh, pounds? Yeah, ignore the transfer fees on transfer marks. That's yeah, they're literally yeah. done by somebody in a basement. The only but, thing, I, the only thing I look at it is the contracts expired next step. True,
2: I, I don't think we would lose him just to wages. Sorry, you well, joking? no,
0: I think we can uh, just just to point this out because the issue is that, <clears throat> a bit like the other players that we had options with last summer. That we could have signed and then not lost, not lost as well. We chose not to re-up the contract, Craig McGivory. Um, I can't remember who else was there, Ben Close potentially. We could have we could have signed those players, then you would have thought hold them and sell them for a transfer fee. Okay, even if it's a small one. But Pompey decided not to re-up the contract, and the reason why is because the re-up for the next year really usually comes with a wage increase. Okay. And that wage increase was negotiated by Kenny Jacket pre-COVID. So I'm guessing the wage increase after the, after the years he's already had is a substantial wage increase to a certain level, okay? But the club might see it as substantial, whether we do or not is a completely different question. So Pompey have to agree to pay the player that, mu- that amount of money and then gamble on whether they can sell him or keep him, if that's the case, all right? <clears throat> so it's not a necessary we can hold this option over different clubs. It's a case of are we going to pay him that money or is someone else going to pay him that money Or more money? And what we did before was try and cheat people by cutting the contract and making them pay be paid less than they're on right now. And what player in their right mind is going to go, yeah, do you know what? I'll take less money than I was on before rather than testing the free market.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think what happened last year was honestly fairly disgraceful in terms of the contract offers that were given to some of the players who have now left the club. From what we heard, some of the offers were literally insulting. Um, And you cannot blame those players for leaving in the slightest. But yeah, my point is that the club does have the first option. So yes, to to take that option, they would have to potentially um, offer a pay increase. We don't know, you know, the, the small print of Harness's contract, but the club do get that first decision. So if they don't make that decision by February, for example, it is still the club's first decision until his contract expires at the end of June. So yeah, I completely agree with you that just because the club have got the option doesn't mean they'll take it if it means a pay increase. But it's not a case of, let's say, a team like QPR could come in and see him as the next Adele Trapped and be like, yeah, we'll nab him. And he's gone before Pompey have even got a chance to match the offer. Do you know what I mean? But I, I agree with you on the wages mm-hmm. front,
0: 100%. It just depends if the club are willing to, to pay it. And that would be something we don't know, really. But it could be quite an easy one when Marcus Harness and his agent or whatever... Are there and Pompey is saying, "Well, we're not going to give you that that option." And there'll be discussions on that basis. Maybe we negotiate a new contract. That information gets out. That's not gonna. That information is not going to remain secret between Pompey and and the and, and the player and the agent. And you know, nothing against either of those, obviously. But this is just what happens in football. It'll be. It's the agent's job to get the the player the most money he can and the best move as well. Together, so other clubs who are interested, and he's allowed to talk to other clubs. If we don't, if we do not sign him by January I believe he's allowed to talk to other clubs is that not right? I don't know with the option but generally a player who's in an expiring contract is allowed to talk to other teams in January to work out what money they're owed or what money they can get sorry so yeah I, I, I do generally think whether legitimately doing that or through an agent or whatever it's going to be quite apparent basically Pompey pay the money or I can get money more money elsewhere
2: yeah and he's put the performances in to deserve it, so no issue
0: whatsoever with that. I think you pay the man now, up, re-up the contract now. And if you want to negotiate a, a longer deal on a different wage, or whatever, do that. Or give him a a longer contract. And you look at you look at Ronan Curtis. Here's the other example I'll use. He was signed, I think it was the second of February. So just after the January transfer window is closed, Ronan Curtis was offered a three-year contract. All right. We just got to tie Marcus Harness up. Ten goals. For, you know, for a midfielder, number 10, whatever you want to say, he's absolutely crucial to this team's success. Not just this season, but you, you sign him for two or three years, you've locked up his prime. You've locked up a player who's been improving each season and now is entering his prime years. So, yeah, he's got to sign him up, really. And I think that's all I've got to say on the, on the, on the situation right let's move on let's go on and talk about the half season review and this is gonna be a little bit of fun we've done absolutely no preparation for it this is going to be off the top of our heads just like asking a bunch of you outside fratton park on your opinions we're going to go around the team we'll start with the defense we'll see how far we get because it's going to be quite a long one actually i've just realized after suggesting this to the boys as an idea but let's go and we're going to go around the table and i'm going to start in goal actually and i'm going to say freddie Out of 1 to 10, I want you to rate the player, so Gavin Bizzunu's performances, and I want you then to rate whether you think he'll go higher or lower for the rest of the season, or stay the same. Gavin Bizzunu, out of 10, please, and a brief summary of his performances this season.
1: Gavin Bizzunu, one of the best players to come in in January. Clearly, he's got class in terms of commanding his area, being a sweeper-keeper, some spectacular saves, that save against Morecambe where he tips it onto the bar. It's obvious that Man City highly rate him and he's getting capped at Northern Ireland, still in the first team at 19. I, 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 one analytical thing is a bit weird where he's minus 1.47 for prevented goals, but I couldn't care less. <laughs> you just watch him and you can tell that he keep, he's keeping Pompey in games and he he's exactly the sort of keeper that Danny Cowley needs for the system. So I'd give him a nine and I think he would, he'll would he stay at a nine for the rest of the season. He'll, he'll keep up those... Incredible performances. He had some blips against like Ipswich, but they were only blips. I, most of his performances have been class of the season. Like it. That's a good
0: start, Freddie. Rapid fire, Andy Mitchmore. What do you think?
1: Yeah, just want to
2: highlight Freddie's prediction from the start of the season that Bazunu was a big downgrade on, uh, on Craig Mack.
1: Yes, I know. I know. Uh, what an awful take that was. <laughs> we'll <We're afraid of. laughs>
2: it. Yeah, good stuff, Fred. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much echo that. It's hard to make an argument against it. Uh, Rochdale fans didn't seem to overly rate him at times, but I think it shows what having a, a better defence in front of you can do. I don't buy that stat about expected goals at all. I don't believe that he's net down one and a half goals for the, the course of the season so far. I just don't believe that to be true. Uh, yeah, I'd echo. I think you can't give a perfect 10 because there have been mistakes, but goalkeepers are going to make mistakes and he's more than made up for it. So I'd go 9 I expect him to maintain the performance. And I'm going to echo Fred there and just go, yeah, he is a nine currently, staying as a nine. Quick from you, Bunce, what do you think?
0: Yeah, he's crucial to how he play, isn't he? Uh, he's just one Irish, Irish like Young Player of the Year, or whatever it is as well. He, he, he's, he's an outstanding keeper. And from even just watching him in interviews, you can see he seems like a very level-headed, driven, competitive person as well, who I think will help the next person. We'll talk about Alex Bass actually being in the squad from a level of, you know, development. Yeah, I'm going to give Bazzino a nine and I think he'll stay at a nine. Maybe a 10. Who knows? Let's go ambitious. I'll say he's going to go to a 10. Spotless. He's going to cut out those mistakes and just be absolute class. Let's do a 10.
2: What I'm hearing is that he is going to uh, save some penalties in the playoff final when it goes to a shootout against Oxford, inevitably.
0: Yeah, and that's score that's a goal cool. when he comes up and just chips the other keeper. Why not? Or Keep chips it a piece he's, of
2: gold. <laughs> <That's laughs> yeah. Nice you'll have a field day if he does that I oh can't the scenes that. <laughs> Simon Eastwood,
0: that's all I can say about him oh, <coughs> choking on my uh, on my rubbish drink right let's go around to the next one Freddie Webb I want to know actually no let's not let you start again Andy Mitchell Moore, I want to know Alex Bass let's go
2: he's done all that has been asked of him hasn't well, what else could he have done he's come in when needed he's come in when when called on to cover for international duty when he came back, when Bezuna, sorry, when he came in when Bazzouna was on international duty, and then there was a conversation in some quarters, not on the pod to be fair, but in some quarters saying, oh, should Bazunu even come back into the side? And that is sort of a testament to how well Bass did when he came into the team. So it's hard to rate someone who's only played a few games, but I don't see what else he could have done. I can't rate him higher than Bazunu because <laughs> Bazzouna's big quality. <laughs> I'll give him an eight. Just so it's a bit lower than Bazunu, but at the same time, I don't think he's had the opportunity to do anything more than an eight. I think he's he's maximised the opportunities he's been given.
1: I would just echo what Andy said. Statistically, Bass has done very well in in the few games he's played. But yeah, uh, the only argument really is: Will Bass should Bass get a loan move so he develops a bit more, or should he be kept on the bench in case you know with uh, COVID going around the squad, Bass might get more of an opportunity if something arises. Uh, I would give him a solid seven for performances and he will stay that way depending on how many games he gets put in.
0: And I'm going to give Bassi a seven. Um, It sounds a bit harsh because actually I think his performances warrant an eight, but I'm just going to be a little bit critical and say, well, he's not managed, managed to bash back the Ireland's international goalkeeper, is he? So he's not worthy of an eight. So there's a seven, Alex Bass. Sorry, mate. That's how it is. And going forward, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Will he play? Won't he play? You know what? I think he's done one of his performances, so maybe we'll give him an eight. What happens if Pizzunu gets, gets a knock? Alex Bass comes in. He can play up to an eight. I've, I believe in his ability, for sure. So, I'm going to say seven for now, and eight moving forward. Alright, let's go into the defence, and let's start off with Shawnee Raggett, Freddie Webb.
1: Another player who's played exceptionally well. Um, we criticised Raggett a fair bit over the, uh, over the few years, but especially with him playing in the three at the bat formation, he's improved leaps and bounds since Danny Cowley came in and he's essential to how Portsmouth defend in that three at the back. He, he can tight mark the target man, win all those aerial duels. As a team, Ports are top in the entire league for successful aerial duels being 50.3% and Raggett's a major contributing factor to that. So yeah, I think he's done extremely well. I'm going to give him a nine and I think he's going to stay there for the rest of the season because I think he's oozing confidence and he's part of a system that suits him better than previous.
0: Andy Mitchell, will you agree with Freddie Webb on that?
1: Yeah, I don't want
2: to reinvent the wheel and rehash what Fred said. Uh, He and Bizzou, between them at the start of the season, literally saved us goals in what was the first three games. They both, you know, they they were the reason that we won some of those those games at the start of the season. So, yeah, go 9 out of 10 because, again, there's a mistake in there but it's League 1 there's a mistake in everyone. Um, and I think he'll say that. I think he's, he's reveling in having a bit more, a bit more authority and seniority in the team. Now he's playing alongside people who are slightly out of position or newer to the club. Uh, he's just nailing it, to be honest, it's fair play to him. Yeah. going nine, staying nine, same as Buzuni. How about you Bunce?
0: Yeah. i I'll echo a little bit what Freddie said when he said about us over the years, being a bit critical, critical of Sean Rugga, especially for me, the slow starts for the season that he's had with a new partner, different years, he's always started really slowly and then kicked on a little bit after Christmas. That's not happened this year. He's actually kicked on really well. He started with a bang. He's led that defence, looked really good. And to be fair to Sean as well, he's played a lot of the time in a back three with two players who aren't even, well, not even central defenders, to be fair. So that's just testament to me, how well he's played at the back, how important he is. I'm going to give him a nine and a half. I mean, like, I know 10 isn't actually, 10, 10 is difficult to get, And the reason why is purely for the fact that, for me, he's held that defence together. Most clean sheets in the league on level with Rotherham, playing with two players who don't play in that position, anchored by the man himself, Sean Raggett, nine and a half. And I expect him to drop down to nine for the rest of the season because what kind of man can play at that level for the whole season there's going to be a few more things going wrong but yeah Sean Raggett nine and a half nine for the rest of the season alright let's move on very quickly because it's rapid fire so Andy what well, I want to know what you think of the performances from Kieran Freeman
2: started the season fantastically at right back in a four first couple of games of the season or at least one of them there was a good argument for him being man of the match has obviously been played a little bit outside of his comfort zone in this back three, and it's probably, I'd say, watching the team, the one who looks like he's been caught out most often in that back three, but that is not anything against him because he is being played out of his natural position. I would go a seven out of ten because he's had some very, very good games. Hasn't had any like absolute horror shows, um, but for me has looked the most exploitable out of our back
0: three. And Freddie, what are you saying about Kieran Freeman?
1: Uh, I'd concur with Andrew, uh, Andy mostly. Um, I remember he played in the, in and, the back Andrew! Court. Andrew, I know, very posh. <laughs> but anyway, no, okay. on. on Kieran Freeman, he played f- very solid as a right back. Um, at Right centre half, there were a lot of clear individual errors in there for me. Obviously not suited to the position as much as a traditional right back. But I remember against... Um, Ipswich and a bit earlier in the season he did. He, it was that side that got exploited and some and his individual errors did cost Pompey a few times I don't, I, it's not as if he comes into the side and I think oh god that's a glaring weakness but it's just not as strong compared to the rest of the defenders I would give him a solid 6 for now but I think Pompey will kick on and in general the players' performances will get better so I think he'll stay as a 6 for now but will improve into a 7 as he as he gets used to
0: the position. Yeah, I mean I, I actually think the same. I think it's gonna be a he's played a six because he's played out of position a fair amount. I, I think it's hard to give him any more than a six based on that. Six is still good, in my opinion. It's good, it's good. Not outstanding. He's not been great because he's been played out of position. But hopefully learning the position a bit more, playing with the other defenders in that in that role. Maybe if he has to move in and cover Romeo on the right-hand side as well. I I think we can can say he's a six now and moving on to a seven. Talking about Romeo, let's go around the table. Freddie Webb, what are you saying about Marlon Romeo? Uh,
1: Again, excellent signing. Um, For me, to be perfectly frank, he's a championship win-back playing in League One. It's quite obvious the chemistry he has with Marcus Harness is great. You can tell that already. He loves to drive play get forward but it's also defensively responsible most of the time gets in the right places positionally sometimes he's been caught out by going forward but you get that from wingbacks don't you um I think he's at an eight out of ten for me uh, I think but I think his performances will get better and improve into a nine.
0: eight out of ten I think that's a bit sure but Annie Mitchellmore are you saying eight out of ten for Romeo
2: I go slightly higher I I wouldn't put him on the same level as Bazunu and Raggett for me. The last few games, absolutely, he's grown into it. I think when he first started with us, he looked a bit suspect defensively, but awesome going forward. But as I say, the last few games, that just hasn't been an issue. He's been absolute quality. Uh, But if I've set my base level with Bazunu and Raggett at nine, I would give him an eight and a half, purely because Raggett and Bazunu have done it all season. Whereas for the first couple of games... Romeo looked a bit more suspect at the back, but has been pretty much flawless ever since then.
0: This defence is going quite nicely, isn't it? The defence and goalkeeper rounds we seem really, really complimentary. I
2: can't, uh, we, I can't believe we ever concede any goals. It's unbelievable to me.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm sure it will change. I mean, 22, twenty-two goals conceded is quite good in this league. It's of course roughly where we are, and most clean sheets, like you mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we'll I think it was gonna change a little bit as he move through the team. But yeah, Romeo, I, I I would think it's fair enough to give him an eight or eight and a half. You know, he's been really good though. That doesn't take away from how outstanding he's been. Maybe a little bit behind Bazin. Do you know what? Fuck it, I'm giving him a nine. Just because of his importance to our, our his impact to us down that right hand side moving forward as well. His his defensive work's actually been a lot more impressive, in my opinion, than I thought it would be. His tracking looks pretty good. He uses pace to recover quickly, but he needs to. His positioning's decent defensively. I'm going to give him a nine, and I think overall, he'll keep up at that level as well of a nine. So yeah, Mullen I'm going to put him up there with the elite boys. Nine out of ten. Right, let's move on to the left-hand side. Lee Brown, Freddie Webb, I want to know what your opinion is on Lee Brown, please.
1: Very solid. Um, pretty, again, you've, we know the, how, how well he plays with Brown and Curtis and that partnership it has on the left-hand side. Very reliable, I thought at first. I thought, oh, Pim playing as a wing-back, nah, But he managed to fit into that spot fairly well, can still get up and down the pitch, um, cover, uh, cover defensively. Sometimes de- his delivery is a bit strange, but his link-up passing with the centre midfielder and the winger is usually very good. I would give him a solid seven and a half and I think he'll stay there for the rest of the season. I don't see Lee Brown dropping off at all.
0: Andy Mitchmore, I want to know what your opinion is on Lee Brown. And for a bonus point, what age was Freddie when he lost his virginity?
2: I will go with... Oh God, I was about to make a terrible joke. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to give Lee Brown a...
1: You can't set it up like that, mate, honestly.
2: No, <laughs> no, no.
1: No, no, I'll no what's the joke? Come on, let's hear it. If it's, jo- if it's job losing, then we'll leave it, shall I'll tell
2: you, you on WhatsApp later, boys.
1: Um, no, give
0: come on, Lee Mitchell. Brown. Share, share it with the listeners. Oh, they want to hear.
1: This ain't
2: happening. You'll understand when you see the group chat later. Um, I will give Lee Brown a, I'd say a seven and a half. Yeah, I'd agree with Fred. Utterly solid, rarely spectacular, but utterly dependable for the most part. Uh, seven and a half. We'll maintain that. Yeah, grass will continue to be green. Sky will continue to be grey and um, Lee Brown will just keep putting in performances when it's needed of him and putting his body on the line.
0: Yeah, I agree. And when you look at, when you look with Lee Brown, first of all, he, he scored three goals this season, which I've not bet on him at all, which has really fucked me off. But just generally Lee Brown, he's got three goals. He's looked decent going forward and he's actually a better to the left wing back role, I think, than most fans would have expected him playing a bit further forward on that side, especially obviously, you know, he's got his limitations, isn't he? He's not quite as dynamic as Romeo. Well, he's not as dynamic as Romeo at all, but I'm going to give him a seven and I think he'll stay a seven. I think he's a reliable player. He's taken over the captaincy. You know, he's does, he does a fair amount in that sense and he provides banterous comments. So I going to give the man a seven and you didn't answer my other questions for the bonus point. Oh, um, Fred,
2: right, How old are you?
0: 24. 26. That's my answer. Nope, you're wrong. And the answer was 16. Right, let's move on. Freddie Webb, <laughs> let's get into it. Next person on the line, I'm going to talk about, obviously,
1: Connor Ogilvy. Right, I'm going to focus on the footballers instead of my sex it's life. I'm actually, Nordic,
2: a bonus point option. Or you just don't know that about me, so it's all right.
1: Say <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, Connor Ogilvy, um, He's done incredibly well and fits well with that back three. Um, when I first saw him, I remember against Flipwood when he had to play in midfield and he clearly didn't look comfortable whatsoever. Um, that was a baptism, baptism of fire for him. Um, at left back, I don't, in a back four, I don't really see him as a full fledged left back. I think Steve Evans put him there just as an excuse to have another centre half. But as a left sided centre half, in a back three, he's been excellent, very dependable, kept ports within games. And that match against Morecambe, he was man of a match by a country mile, scored Pompey's first goal from a corner this season and managed to get in all these key tackles. And, and his positional set was excellent. So I'd give him an 8 and I think he will stay as an 8 as well.
2: Yeah, I'd echo that. This is very boring. I'm just copying Fred, but he's been fairly fairly accurate so far. Yeah, he's, he got forced to play out of position first game of the club because of that Uh, Injury to Tunnicliffe in the warm-up. He's been playing slightly outside of his comfort zone, I think, for a large proportion of the season in terms of positional play. And he's done an extremely good job. He looked awesome against Gillingham. He's been generally solid. I'd go an eight, I think, on this occasion, yeah.
0: I'm a big fan of Conor Ogilvy, but I'm going to give him a seven. And that's purely because of the fact that slow starts the season, suspect at left-back... As Freddie said, I think he's more of a centre-back. He's now settled into his rhythm and he's looking really good and he seems to be getting better as the time goes on. I think he'll progress into an eight as the season goes on, up there on the same level as people like Romeo, etc. And I think he'll do well for us. But I think if you look at the half season as a whole, looking at, you know how he's performed over the whole season, I'm going to give him a seven, but looking forward, I think he could be one of our best players for the second half of the season. All right, let's go into finishing off the defence now, roughly. Who have we got else to talk about in the defence?
2: Do you want to head up one? For, uh, you haven't done any first yet, do You?
0: Do you, to, do you want to lead on one? Yeah, I can, I can lead up one. I'm just used to delegating straight out. Okay, I'm going to give Robertson a seven. Now, He was definitely one of our best players at the back when he played. I think his passing is great. I think he's a real elite defender at this level when he has the opportunity. Obviously, captain for the club, all that malarkey, very happy with him. But being injured so much, I think you can't really give him more for this season so far. Looking at performance, I don't think you can give him more than a seven. I don't know if that's harsh, but for me, I don't think you can give the man more than a seven. Seven out of ten with the potential, if he comes back fit, to become a nine later on in this season. Potentially a nine, eight or nine, but yeah, seven for me so far.
2: Yeah, I think it's very difficult. It's harsh to mark someone down for being injured, but you get points by playing, right? And when he has played, especially coming out of defence, and you because he's left-footed, the angles he created coming out of centre-back were awesome. But, as you say, if you're out of the, the team for so long being injured, it's hard to accumulate points, I think. I think a six and a half, seven is fair because he's not had the
1: opportunity to get any more than that. Clark Robertson, I think he's played. He's been great when he's played, um, <laughs> but like we said, injuries have completely ruined his start, which has been very unlucky. Um, his passing for me was excellent, and when Pompey played in the back four, him and Raggett immediately seemed to strike a partnership, which was favourable. And you're thinking he, he can slot into that left side of centre-half role very well when he comes back or might potentially play on the right. We'll see. Um, if Calderon wants to play, he there. But yeah, I think the most you can give him is a six-and-a-half because we haven't seen him that much. But I think he will progress into an eight-and-a-half when he's back fit and when he's playing really well.
0: Let's get into some more players quickly. I want to know, and Andy, you can lead this one up, your review and ratings for Paul Downing please
2: I don't I don't know what to say I mean I I feel sorry for the injury proneness of it because I can't imagine how frustrating it is the man came on for eighty 89th minute and pulled his calf that's got to be so I I'm not going to say anything mean because I feel so sorry for the injury proneness of it it must be so frustrating trying to get your career going and having that going on. Um, he's not had the minutes to get any points. I'm giving a, a uh, sort of an NA result here. Right.
0: No, you've got to give a number. That is quick fire, mate. You've just got to give a number.
2: None of these have been quick fire, bud. Uh, all right. Come four. on. Four. Four.
0: And you think he'll progress to a four? Or, I mean, stay at a four or progress from that? I think he'll leave. Fine. Uh, Freddie Webb? I think we'll go in
1: January. Uh, okay. three, and, uh, three and a half rating uh, injuries have set him back so much, even if there was talent there. And I don't even if he gets back fit, I think he's too far behind to get in the squad as well. So he'll stay at a three and a half.
0: I mean, i fluttered back and forth, but I'm sticking to my original guns a year or two ago. I can't even remember which one it was on this podcast. I'm even him a two out of ten. Uh, and a two, <clears throat> he's just got no impact on the, on on for me on the squad. So he's going to be at a two and stay at a two. And the reason why is the two really is because well, you gotta be nice to someone sometimes, haven't you? So there's my there's my two out of ten rating. All right, let's move on again to the next players in the squad. Have I missed any what centre backs, boys? Is there anyone else I need to talk about? Let's have a quick look down the list. <coughs> no. Callum Johnson's online. We're not gonna are not gonna talk about that unless you really want to. Let's move into midfield. Ryan Tunnicliffe, please, Freddie Webb.
1: Strange because, well, he had four assists in the league from his start, um, went off like a train, but then slowly degraded, um, mainly due to him playing further forward, which just didn't suit him. And then he got injured with a torn hamstring, which which sucked. Um, but his performances drip, dipped alarmingly. So I think he played at a six throughout the season. And I think when he comes back from injury, he'll improve a bit to try and get into the side. So I think he'll go from a six to a seven. Yeah, I'm not going to reinvent
2: what Fred said. I think started off fantastically. First couple of games of the season. Well, actually no, not first game because he was injured first game. Second game of the season, home game with uh, with Williams looked incredible and has yeah tailed off a little bit. That was the high point of the season, that, that home game, first home game of the year. So I'd go six and a half. I'd like to think we'll push up to a seven by the end of the year.
0: I don't want to give Tony a six and I think he'll improve to a seven. And there's no point going into it anymore because I'm going to try and make this quicker as we go through. But before we make it quicker, I want to know, Andy Mitchell. Actually, you know what? I'll lead it off myself. Joe Morrell. Andy's favourite player. So I'm stealing the limelight straight away. I'm giving the man a nine out of 10. I think he's up there with the elite we've got so far this season. Really good player. We all know why he's so good. I'm going to give the man a nine out of 10. Can't believe we've got him, to be honest, in the squad. What a signing, Danny Cowley. Take a bow, my friend. Great signing. And I think Joe will stay at a nine as long as he doesn't have any serious injury issues or anything. I can see if we get into the playoffs, he's going to be the massive part along with Pizzunu and Raga as the reason why this team is a success.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's, he's very obviously the best players coming in the window. It's so obvious when he's not in the team. Uh, dictates tempo, flows the game, has an excellent range of passing, but is also gritty enough. Um, to break up the play as well. A nine, and I think he'll improve even higher and go to a nine and a half. I think he's he's going to build on his game so much. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, well, you know, I'd agree. I've got that poster of him on my wall. Um, on, think, your ceiling, on the ceiling,
2: don't yeah. lie. I do, I mean, when he first signed, there were a couple of people claiming. I mean, one person in a group chat i in said, oh, he won't do bits, he's too short. And I'm there thinking, well, that's that's not a good rationale, is it? The man's torn it up, just like we said he would. On a nine, again, he'll be a nine and a half by the end of the season. I think Fred said it well, that he drives to play forward. He he creates things. He's a difference maker and will continue to do that.
0: What a man, Joe Morrell. All right, let's carry on. Sean Williams, please. Annie Mitchmore.
2: Yep. uh, Generally solid, but unspectacular. Uh, Again, started the season really well. Has been forced to play a bit out of position at times to fill in at the back because of injuries and suspensions. Had a couple of horror moments Uh, unfortunately looking defensively and I think has had a bit of a a harsh time of it from some Pompey fans. But yeah, it's it's because he's an unspectacular player that does the the grunt work. I'd go with currently on a seven or stick at a
1: seven. Freddie Freddie? I've been largely disappointed by Sean Williams. I thought he'd... uh, I knew what he was when he came in. Proper deep line playmaker, could put tackle in. But I think some of his performances do not fit the experience that he's had. Yes, he's played out of position a lot, which was unfortunate. I'm, I'm trying not to judge him when he's played at centre-half, but he made some key errors, even in centre midfield. He, he got bullied in that game against Harrogate and that was very concerning. Um, oh, and his mobility, it's easy to say that, for, that a man in his mid-30s has mobility problems on the pitch, but he definitely does. Uh, I would give him a six and I think he will stay... At a six and I'm not sure he'll get a contract extension in the summer.
0: No, I agree. I think he's played as a five at centre back. I'm going to say, and it's maybe a six and a half in midfield for me. So I'm going to level that out nicely and be polite and give him a six out of 10. I, I, I think in limited minutes, he could be an effective player to a certain level. He obviously seems to lag a lot in second halves when I've watched him play. I know some fans listening to this podcast today will actually disagree. Some people rate him a lot higher, but I'm going to go with a six and staying at a six. I just think that Williams, for instance, is not the most impactful midfielder we have in the middle. When he played alongside Joe Morrell, he had so much time on the ball in comparison. He looked a lot better, but I think in limited minutes, he can play as a seven. But overall, a six out of 10, A five in defence. I mean, maybe even a four. A four in defence, even, I might even say. But Sean Williams, six out of ten. Right, let's go to the next one. I'm going to talk about Miguel Aziz.
2: Slightly underwhelmed, considering where the expectations were, but the expectations were high. He is young. I'd say currently on six and a half. I'd hope he'd rise up to seven, seven and a half by the end of the season if he sticks around after January.
1: Yeah, for me, Aziz... (laughs) He's had some some excellent games. I think Sheffield Wednesday he built on TV, played exceptionally well, didn't look out of place. But then he's had other games like against Harrogate Town where he got bullied. It was very obvious. Maybe think of that stereotype where Premier League midfielders get bullied whenever they play men's football. But really, I think he will improve, but I don't think he'll have a massive impact on the team. I think he's a six at the moment, but will improve into a six and a half.
0: I think he's looked a bit better than Williams in the middle in midfield in recent games but it's taking him a lot of time to get up to speed. I don't think you can give him any more than a six for that reason, but I think he's going to improve to a seven if he's given the game time to be able to do that. And that will just depend on injuries, squad rotation, etc. But six, moving into a seven, and let's move into the rest of the midfield here. Louis Thompson, we're talking about injuries. It can be quite difficult to judge, but that's what we do. Freddie Webb, and what are you going to say?
1: Uh, Whenever I've seen him play, he's been excellent, more from the defensive side of things. Um, Obviously taking a while for him to get match fit and Danny Cowley's mostly done a good job of easing him into the play but him and Morrell for me are the preferred partnership and it's because Thompson does all the grunt work but also has that proper range of passing which I like um, I think I will give him a, a 7 and I think he will improve to a 7.5 uh, as he gets fitter
0: I'm going to go in and say that I really rate Louis Thompson as well I think with, with Joe Morrell he's the preferred option Not his fault, really, but still impact over the season so far. I'm going to give him a six. Just purely on the basis of not being able to play too much, etc. I think he's got the ability to become an eight. If he can keep himself together, prolonged amount of time in the side, I think he's got the ability to be a great midfielder for us. But I'm going to go a bit different here. I'm going to go a six, moving on to an eight.
2: I think he's taken the opportunities he's had when he's had a bit of, you know, he's got match fitness, he's had some minutes in his legs. Has looked like he could be one of those players that can change the game. Having said that, yeah, he just hasn't had the opportunities as yet. I do think if it's on that paper game signing, he's absolutely fantastic. Bit of business from the Cowleys there. I'd say currently on a seven if he stays fit up to seven and a half. I like how for none of these players, we're predicting that their performances are going to just fall to bits in the second half of the season. Like, we're being very positive, so far, aren't we?
0: But, no, I've got a few. Like, don't you worry. So far, hold hold on for a bit, a few more. Honest takes, should we say. Okay, let's move But move on. We've done the centre midfield. Have I forgotten anybody in the middle? No? Cool. Let's move on to... We're we'll, we'll sort of on the left wing back style attacking midfield at the same point. Let's talk about Rico Hackett because I'm not really sure where to categorise the man at the moment. Taking his chances. And Freddie Webb, I want to know what you think of him.
1: Uh, he's done very well playing at wing back considering he's never played there before in his life. Um, beforehand, many people thought... He was an afterthought and would not be in the squad at all, but has given him the chance. Slowly improved. Can take a mean free kick. He's probably the best free kick taker we have now. Um, and yeah, slowly improved. I think he's around a six and a half now and he will improve into a seven and a half uh, the more game time he gets. And uh, as he gets used to being in more defensive situations, I think that's the weakness in his game, but he's a young kid. He'll get better at that. Yeah, he's, he's grown into the role
2: quite quickly hasn't he he looked again a bit suspect defensively when he first got put in that that wing back role looked awesome going forward potential to change the game nice to see him back in the mix after getting treated like absolute dirt by Kenny jacket give him a let's say give him a 7ish at the moment i'll go with 7 and hopefully he's going to improve in the second half of the season but yeah solid 7
0: and i'm going to give rico a 7 out of 10 but the potential to rise to an it's very difficult to say because he's got, you don't get many wing backs who have the, especially in this league, who can, I think his positioning has been fairly decent now. He's got the pace as well to track back, so he can track back and cover himself with a slight mistake. He scored three goals this season already. Obviously some from set plays, one direct going in, one from a rebound. Do you know what? I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Why not? Let's give the man a seven and a half. I'm also impressed by the fact he said he wanted to play anywhere to get in the team, spent a few months training with Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley to do that, has implemented it, way above expectations for me. Seven and a half, with the potential to move to an eight. Right, let's go into the attacking midfielders, boys, because I want to know what you think, Andy Mitchellmore, of Ronan Curtis.
2: Yeah, he stepped up. He's been given the captain's armband in the last couple of games, which has been good to see. And we know what he's like in terms of consistency. In that there are times when he'll completely open a game up and just run the game himself. Other times he'll be a bit more anonymous. But I think, yeah, this season is at his moments, isn't he? It's he's a player you'd rather have in your team than be playing against, which is sort of the biggest compliment I think you can pay to someone. I'd say season as a whole, seven and a half, but that's because some games have been nines, other games have you know been sixes, six and a half. But i go, I'd go, I've already forgotten what I said. I'll go seven and a half.
1: Yeah, um, we know what Renan Curtis is at this point. I do. I still like the fact that um, he's still aggressive off the ball, still gets stuck in, really fits that intense way that Danny Cowley wants to play with the high press. Three goals and three assists this season. Slightly worrying that production isn't that great in all comps. Um, but I do like the fact he's got 6.4 expected goals. I just cheekily looked that up. So that might change my opinion. But yeah, I'm going to go with seven and a half Currently, he will improve into an eight and a half um, if he gets on that good streak. And I hope it's a long one instead of a short one.
0: I'm going to go with an eight out of 10. And the reason for this is playing a new position up front. I think he looks a lot better in that position, essentially. He just he just gets the ball more. He's less one-dimensional. He has more space to open up to. Deceptively good in the air as well. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I had three goals, four assists, Freddie, in, uh, in competitions, but maybe that's incorrect if you've got the stats I might be wrong that?
1: I'll have a look uh, it, I've, ju- I've got football reference open and it's three goals three assists uh, it might not have included the um, thingy the other trophy game hang on
0: I've got three goals four assists which is team leading high in assists as well which up front is pretty good linking up the play I think he's working really well up front with George Hurst there as well so I'm going to give Ronan an eight out of ten and I'm going to expect him to maintain that performance at an eight all right, let's move on quickly and let's go on to the next players. Marcus Harness, please. Andy Mitchell, Nine
2: out of ten. Need to renew his contract. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, played excellently. when mainly as the number ten. Um, range of passing, link-up play. Those killer through balls sometimes can be frustrating, but I don't care um, because he's trying those passes in the first place. There's now added production to his game. Can't remember off the top of his head how many goals and assists it is, but he's up there. Um, Yep, he's at a nine and will stay there the rest of the
0: season. I'm going to go with a nine and a half. And I know some fans are quite frustrated with how he plays. I'm a massive Marcus Harness fanboy. People know, listening to this podcast, We've been calling out for years to put him in number 10. Cowley's put him there. There's not many players who score 10 goals in all competitions, nine goals in the league when you're playing in that role. He's scoring. There's no. There's a real reason why championship teams and Blackburn who are in the playoffs in the championship you know potentially interested in the man sign him up 9 out of 10 nine and a half out of 10 even and I hope he stays at that level and stays with Pompey right cool let's keep going then no done that guys honest Romeo alright let's get into the strikers John Marquess please Andy Mitchamore we're
2: skipping over my man
0: Jacobs skipping over Crackers Michael Jacobs, please. Andy Mitchellmore.
2: <laughs> I rate him. I'll give him 7.5 out of 10. He gets an extra half a point just for the limbs at Gilligan. So, yeah, 7.5 out of 10. Um, who do you want me to jump onto? John Marquis.
1: I'll do. I'll save my thing on Michael Jacobs. Um, yeah, exactly. Comes up, it comes up in key moments. Proper impact sub. Um, mentioned that he doesn't fit the system as well, but that hasn't stopped him putting in some key performances. He's gone from a player who we thought was out the door before um, the Ipswich stuff in the summer has come in and had a major impact because of the earlier in the season stuff where he didn't have an impact. I can't really give him more than a seven, but I think he'll improve to a seven and a half uh, the more he plays and the more, and the more sub, sub appearances he gets to uh, hopefully create some uh, pre, pre-field stadium style limbs again.
2: But did he have that many opportunities at the start of the season Fred I can't actually remember I, I think he's taken the opportunities when he's had them to be fair
1: there were some games off the bench where he didn't do that much but then he improved a fair bit so I don't know I'm being a bit harsher on him I think
2: you are indeed well Bunce has disappeared to an unknown place so we'll move on to John Marquis do you want to leave things off on uh, on your thoughts on Big John for the season Fred
1: yeah yeah might as well he's probably gone to find another horrendous can that <laughs> Anyway. Um, he's normally on the Bacardi and Coke, isn't he? Or like a Smyrna fight or something. Oh, yeah. He's the man himself. There he is. Uh, he's, he's got, a, he's got another captain Morgan and Coke in his hand, obviously. Yeah. Right. Fred, John Marquis, what are we at? Right. Um, this is probably the strangest player, hardest player to rate, to be honest. Um, he's had some performances where I thought, okay, he's been okay. He's doing, he's doing a lot of grunt work off the ball really well. He's getting into positions, but there's no service, but then he's had other games where he's had no impact. Um, that dive in, in a recent game I can't remember if that was Sheffield Wednesday uh, or if it was Harrogate, Harrogate I'm trying to Harrogate where he came off the bench yeah that dive was awful he gets a minus .5 just for that alone um, I think I can't give him more than a 6 because I remember he's got his four goals and it's in line with his expected goals so he's not he, he, he hasn't overperformed that but he hasn't had the impact that I would have liked um and I think given that George Hurst has started to play more, I think I could see John Marcus just not being motivated enough. So I think he'll be at a six and drop down to a five and a half.
0: You've done yours, Andy, John Marcus, why I popped off. Go on there, mate.
2: I think it's a difficult one because as I said the other week, I don't think he likes the fan base anymore. And I think that's a potential issue. I think he's playing despite the fans or to prove a point to the fans rather than playing for the fans and I think that's a long-term it's not a healthy motivator as Fred said Hurst has come in and really turned some heads in the last few weeks which has been good to see and I can see yeah I can see Hurst holding on to that first spot ahead of Marquis and that being quite a big frustration I, I don't think he's going to renew his contract at Pompey I think he will leave at the end of the season and I, I think he probably, at least partially, regrets making the decision to come down here, personally. Uh, yeah, the dive, I mean, he doesn't lose a 0.5 from me for that dive. He loses a full point out of 10 for that. I made my feelings known on that last the other week. i go, yeah, 6.5 out of 10 and likely to drop down to a 6 by the end of the season. I hope I'm wrong. I rate it. I like it. But I, I don't think it has panned out in a way that is going to be beneficial for anyone in the
0: long run. I'm going to give Marquis um, a, a five out of 10. Um, and that's just purely based on the fact of how frustrating he is to watch generally as a player. And I know Freddie was talking about his expected goals and, and where he is, right about and stuff. But for me, it was one of these points where his first touch, It was it, it, from a team perspective, it was one of these things where plays seemed to go to die. So not just his expected goals from the level of his shooting ability, but his general play off the ball. Earlier in the season, we commended him for chasing things down and helping the press a little bit. And you, there is an argument to be said for that. But for me, he's been a really ineffectual player for us up front. Doesn't seem to fit in. Potential issues, you know, does he want to be here anymore? I think he's going to be a five and I expect him to remain unfortunately out of five for the rest of the season. Let's go up front to his striking partnership. The man who's got a new lease of life in the squad. That's right. The new impact substitution, the new impact substitute, Ellis Harrison and Freddie Webb. How do you feel Ellis is playing at this moment in time?
1: It might be harsh because I still don't really rate him to be honest. Um, He's pretty much now the second choice striker. Um, in front of Marcus, so he's playing well enough for that had some moments scored that hat-trick in the EFL Cup was in the right place at the right time against Harrogate um, puts himself about is a proper presence but I don't think I think it's he's doesn't fit with the high press as well and it can make Pompey a bit one-dimensional dimension, in terms of direct balls to him um, reasonable impact sub but I don't think he's what we need I think it's obvious that Pompey need another striker I think So I would give him a five and a half and he will stay at a five and a half, I think. Mitch Moore.
2: Yeah, similar. I rate him a lot more than Fred does. I think he's got, there's a time and a place where he suits a certain style of play. I don't think he particularly suits the style of play we're trying to play at the moment. Give him a six and a half and I think he'll stay there. I think he's got more, or he will give more for the rest of the season, I think, than John Marquis, personally.
0: I agree, so I'm going to give him a six. And I really don't rate Alice Harrison from a goal-scoring perspective. But I can see if you bring another striker in, there's potentially a place for him in the squad in having different types of players and Cowley wanting to play different ways and and, and that sort of thing. I don't think he's going to have a great goal output and I expect him to leave in the summer. But I'm going to say a six. Can I say a six? What has he actually done this season? I'm just trying to think from a level of then. What... What has he actually done this season? I'm going to say a five, actually. Thinking back on it, but I expect him to progress into a six. Make a couple of substitutes. Wow, well, I thought chances. I was harsh. There we go. Well, I said it's not all going to be fun and games for anywhere. We have to be a little bit honest here. And the defense and the midfield generally have been pretty good, so not surprised the levels of you know players we've given them. But yeah, a five onto a six. Right. Gasson had me. I'll start off on this one. What high hopes you have for him? I put a fiver on him to the start of the season. League one top joint uh, top goal scorer, 33 to 1. It's got to be my, my shocking... Good God, mate. <laughs> I got all excited, Freddie. I, I splashed a fiver on it. Why not? Unfortunately, it's not really panned out, has he? Pre season goals, I expect, haven't, sorry, pre season goals haven't really translated into the league struggled a bit at this level. You could say though that a bit like with a bit like with George Hurst, he didn't really make an impact until he had some starts in the team and Hadby hasn't really had those starts. That's my counter argument, I suppose, the other way around. But it seems quite clear that with Marquis and Harrison still being used in the rotation and Hadby not being used in the rotation, he's not really Favoured by Cowley. Can't give him any more than a five. I feel bad for him, but let's put him with the other strikers. Five out of ten. And I expect him to be gone in January, so I'm not going to rate him.
2: Yeah, I think... It'll, I well, My baseline is slightly higher than yours. I would go with six now, and I think he'll leave in January. I agree. I don't think he'll be here till the end of the season.
1: Uh, from what I saw of had me, um, he comes to life in the penalty area. Um, aside from that, he doesn't have... Um, a lot of the football intelligence he did outside the penalty area and linking up play. Sometimes he's been okay. He, he's looked like a, a predatory poacher at times, but has been disappointing if you look at his uh, preseason goal record um, from his limited appearances. is at a five, but it's clear that Cowley doesn't rate him and he's going to send him back to Norwich in January.
0: And last but not least, Pompey's new striking Dynamo, George Hurst, Andy Mitchamore, As a man who always believed in his nobilities, unlike me and Freddie Webb, the man who stuck by him, what are you giving him?
2: Yeah, I'm pleased he's come through for me. Yeah, I've taken a bit of flack from you lads for backing him earlier in the season. I'm glad he's come through. Man's got a bit of pace about him. He's got a bit of confidence now. He's scored a few goals. You love to see it. Yeah, I think he's... uh, If you have a a top two partnership of him alongside potentially Curtis... You know, there's a rotation they've got some options but I quite like that they complement each other pretty well i think I would go we're not going to you know go crazy here because the first few games struggled to make an impact struggled to score but has worked his way into the team so I'd go I'd give him a where do you go? a seven now I think he's worked up to a seven and I think by the end of the season we're pushing pushing seven and a half Potentially eight at an absolute push, but I think most likely seven and a half. But I do think he's going to have a first team spot where well, he's the yeah the first option there up front alongside a another. Um, assuming we actually get a full season of games, but I think yeah, good good things will happen for him.
1: Uh, I'm happy that he's that he's proven me wrong. Or uh, I always like that if I don't rate a player at Portsmouth because hey, it benefits us all, doesn't it? Um, I really didn't like his performances to start with; Seen pedestrian. Didn't know where, where he was on the pitch. But then grew into it with more starts. Um, he's got that blend of being able to hold at the ball, but also be mobile. I loved his dribbling against Sheffield Wednesday, just rinsing the, their right-back over and over again. Um, and yeah, he, he seems to be the template of what sort of striker Cowley wants. Um, I wish Hurst's finishing was a bit better, but hoping with more games, goals will come in uh, gradually. I think he's played... I really didn't like those first few games. I think he's at a six and a half now, but will improve much better. He will improve into an eight.
0: I'm going to give the man a seven, and it becomes it becomes on the fact I didn't like it at all, and I feel a bit bad. No, I'm going to give, I'm going to give him a seven because I think his impact to the team, which is what I'm kind of interested in, is been pretty big, actually, pretty massive. Because you look at how we were really struggling up front with strikers before. And the ability to take the ball down, the turn of pace, everything but the goals going in a little bit at the moment for him. If he can put together a few more, a few more finishes to go with his performances, I give him an eight. Probably stay at a seven for me. We'll see though. Could be an eight. Not definitely not writing that off after earlier on in my commentary earlier on this season. So I'm gonna give him a seven, maybe rising to a seven and a half. That seems fair. All right, last people to talk about now, boys. I'm going to ask you for the performance for Danny and Nikki Cowley. Freddie Webb, kick us off. All
1: oh, right, putting in the managers. Um, yeah, over uh, a lot of it, overly positive. Um, they've ad- they've proven to be able to make impactful substitutions, even when the squad depth has been poorer compared to previous seasons. Um, I love the adaptation of the tactics when. The back three didn't work, moved to a back four, but then transitioned back to a back three. Um, The ability to be flexible against certain opposition. Um, There were some games which were appalling and there were some little tactical tweaks that didn't work. But overall, I think the Cowleys have done great with um, the resources that they had and I back them uh, for the rest of the season and into next. So overall, I'd give them an eight and a half overall. Some of you might think it's too low, but Andy.
2: Yeah, I think they bring a lot to the club outside of just you know, outside of coaching, but in terms of their coaching and the management of the team, I think this sort of manager coach is the future of football. I think in ten years' time it's it's mostly going to be younger managers using technology as these guys do. I think they're ahead of the curve. And I think Portsmouth are extremely fortunate to have two people leading the club who are ahead of the the technology curve like that and are, yeah, where I see the future of where football's moving towards. If you compare that to where we were previously, I thought we were about five, six, seven years behind the curve with Kenny Jackett and not making any ground up through stubbornness for me. So for that reason, combined with the fact that there have been a couple of excellent signings in there, you look at Morel and Romeo in particular, and Bazunu, that's an outstanding quality of player they brought in. Um, performances on the pitch, obviously they had a, a bad run of form. They've been dealing with a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. Obviously COVID complications on top of that. I think they have they've dealt with a lot of grief that managers wouldn't normally have to. I'd go, I'd go nine. I Whatever happens this season, for me, they've got at least one more full season, unless something crazy happens and we end up looking in like relegation trouble next year. They are, even when there were some people, you know, I think it was when me and Sam did the podcast when Freddie wasn't around for a week and there were a few people saying, Oh, you know, this isn't working, get the Callies out. I mean, that's just, it was insanity. I think we said at the time, it's just insanity to be calling for that. Um, They've got at least another 18 months for me, whatever happened this season. I'm, I, I I completely trust my football club with them and they bring a, a good person vibe to the club. I think they're good role models. They speak well. They have the correct attitude towards everything going on at the moment to do with COVID vaccinations and restrictions. I think they're buying into the city. They're buying into the club. And I think they see it as a long-term project that they could really like, you know, their names could just become synonymous with Portsmouth. And... I like that and I want them to stay here for a while because it's been a while since I felt that really about a, a manager at the club where I felt like they liked the fans. I think Cook hated the fans half the time. Jacket hated the fans over half the time. Um, so it's nice that, yeah, that's a good few years. We've gone back between those two. So it's nice to have some people on board who I I feel like there's the potential for a really positive sort of symbiotic relationship in the long run. If, if people take a deep breath and give
0: them a bit of time I'm going to go the nine now uh, and a nine for the rest of the season I'm just going to echo what you guys said there's not really much more to add really happy with them at the helm I think they're doing really well especially with potentially you know budget restrictions or whatever but we won't get into that too much but just generally how the squad's constructed players they brought in tactics ability to change and also when you have a new team and you're working out what's going on if you look at how we how we are now in our current form how we've moved on as the season's progressed very happy with that and that comes from changes coaching changes and, and you know being able to motivate players and make those changes so I'm very happy nine and then the nine
2: Yeah I think they've shown themselves to be really dexterous haven't they in terms of changing the formation as and when needed they've, in, they've had injury problems they brought in obviously a fairly high turnover of players and you look at other clubs that did the same thing who were struggling more than us obviously it didn't work out for Paul Cook at Ipswich having done pretty much the same thing didn't work out for Adkins at Charlton having come in and and made some quite big changes there too so you know just bringing in new people doesn't guarantee success and I think if you compare us to the teams that have been in similar positions in the last 12 months we are above most of the teams that have been in that position other than Sunderland who obviously brought in Johnson a fair while ago now I I, I just think things could be a, a shed ton worse than they are if we were in some other clubs positions so And I know that's not a mark for success, but other clubs that are a similar size and have been in similar positions, the Cowleys have kept us above them. Um, And yeah, not really a bad word to say, to be honest.
0: Sweet. All right, that's our halfway through the season review of the players. Pretty slapdash, but let us know. Do you agree with us? Do you not? Hit us up at PO Forecast. All right, just quickly moving on to some of the little things we're going to talk about quickly before we round off the show. Christmas can be a pretty hard time for some people and not just us for not being able to go to watch Pompey on Boxing Day. We're doing our annual fundraiser for the Pompey Food Bank. If you've got any spare change lying around, anything you can help, please go onto our Twitter page and donate some money towards the Ports of Food Bank who do a lot of good work in the community. It's just your time to give back something if you can. Obviously you can't, don't worry about it. If you have got a few pounds going, have a look on the Pompey News Now Twitter. DM any of us, uh, and please, if you've got any spare change, it'd be really appreciated. And the people of Bombay will appreciate it as well. All right, guys, well, I think we've done enough for today. I thought it was going to be a really short episode, but it's lasted quite a long time. So, Freddie, thanks for on the
1: show. Uh, always a pleasure. Nice to see you guys before Christmas, and Merry Christmas to the listeners. Hope you all enjoy it.
0: Andy Moore. good to have you back again.
2: Thanks, bud. Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas to you Merry Christmas to everyone have a great time Pompey can't ruin Boxing Day uh, it's going to be an all-nighter watching the, the Boxing Day test match and the England cricket team can ruin it for us instead so there's always a second option hope everyone has a decent uh, decent Christmas decent New Year and uh, yeah hopefully we've killed an hour of boredom where there would have been a Pompey game
0: yeah and uh, if I need a snooze I don't know I can turn the cricket on so that's good to know Andy Mitchmore wasn't sure about that so until next time